Hello, everyone, and welcome to the What We Stay Alive For podcast. I'm so excited to be getting to speak with you today. This is the first episode, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about this podcast. We are going to be talking a lot about philosophy and things that society and people in general prescribe a higher value to. Things like beauty and poetry, nature, literature, and philosophy. We're going to be talking about all of these things and really dive deep into some topics of them. Because I think ultimately these sorts of things are what we stay alive for. My name is Katie, and today we are going to be talking about existential panic, which is a part of existentialism philosophy. The brief Wikipedia definition of existentialism is that it's a form of philosophical inquiry that explores the issue of human existence. So these existentialist philosophers explore questions about the meaning, purpose, and value of human existence. They also are concerned with topics like existential crisis, dread, and anxiety in the face of an absurd world, as well as authenticity, courage, and virtue. A lot of people think that existentialism is a negative philosophy, but it's actually not. It's actually a very positive philosophy. It's basically saying that if they're assuming and acknowledging that the world is absurd, that there is no no true meaning to it, everything is just sort of as it has become without little meaning or purpose behind it. Well, if they assume this, then they say, we can still give the world meaning and we can give our lives meaning, more importantly. The decisions that we make can be used to better ourselves and the people around us. And we have so much power in our decisions that we make every day to make this world a better place. Albert Camus is a existentialist philosopher, and he has some arguments for the world being absurd. Just briefly going over some of these arguments for absurdity is one of them is weariness, he says. It's feeling weary and just sort of tired of your own life and this endless routine of your life. Waking up, having breakfast, going to work, going to lunch, going back to work, going home, having dinner, watching TV, reading, going to bed, and then doing it all over again, waking up, having breakfast, just the endless routine of our lives. That's his first argument, is that we become weary after a while. All of this routine, and we just get weighed down by it, and we start feeling very weary because of it. Another one of his arguments for absurdity is just death itself and the fact that life is impermanent. We are going to die one day. We are going to die. And that's basically the only certainty we have in this world. And a third argument for absurdity that Camus makes is that we can't know anything for sure. Right? We, it's just impossible. It's impossible to know anything for sure. It's impossible to know if there is meaning to life. We won't know until we die, or after we die, if even then we'll know. Because we can't even know why we exist, Camus says, this explains exactly why life is absurd, because we're put on this earth 
and we don't even know why. We don't know if there's any meaning to it or not. And I mean, that is pretty crazy. You have to you have to admit. I mean, you would think maybe if there were more of a purpose behind things, maybe we would know about it, you know, but we don't. And so Camus says that's an argument for why this life is absurd. All right, but then the last argument that he gives is actually the topic of today, and it is what he calls nausea. It's more of an existential nausea, actually, and he sort of gives the example of, say you're at work, and you see one of your coworkers talking on the phone, but you can't hear what they're saying, and you're viewing them through glass, and that's why you can't hear what they're saying. But you see them talking on the phone, and they're very passionate about what they're talking about. They're gesticulating, they're moving around, you know, they're very, very into this conversation on the phone. And you're looking at that person, and you you get this feeling of, they're, they're just, what even are they? Are they a human? They look really weird and goofy, moving their arms and flailing about because I don't know what they're talking about, or I can't hear them. You sort of just come to this realization that they're just a weirdly moving glob of meat, right? Like, what even are we as humans? Why are we here? What are we doing on this earth? Another way that this feeling could come upon you is if you're staring at yourself in the mirror. And if you stare at yourself in the mirror for just a little bit longer than you normally would, and you just keep staring, and I think pretty soon you're going to to just come to this sort of same feeling. Because you look at yourself every day, but do you really see yourself? You might beget, all of this might beget the question of, how am I me? At least that's what it does for me. How am I who I am? So this is sort of the basis of this feeling of existential panic. And now we're going to just briefly look at some some more explanations and descriptions of it from some existentialist philosophers, and then I'm going to give you my experience on it and what we can gain from this weird feeling of, of existential panic, or as Camus says, nausea. A lot of them use different terms, all to describe very similar feelings. And so Soren Kierkegaard, who is a Christian and who is an existentialist philosopher, he used the term dread to describe the general apprehension and anxiety in human life. Another philosopher, Martin Heidegger, used the term angst as a reference point for the individual's confrontation with the impossibility of finding meaning in a meaningless universe. So he's saying, when we as humans are confronted with just the task of of trying to find meaning in our meaningless universe, just as he says. It's very sort of groundbreaking for us as humans to experience this feeling. And Jean-Paul Sartre, Sartre, he preferred the word nausea, just as Camus did, and Sartre used it to describe a person's realization that the universe is not neatly ordered and rational, but is actually highly contingent and unpredictable. Now, he also used the word anguish to describe the realization that we humans have total freedom of choice in terms of what we can do. 
In this, there are no real constraints ex- on us except those that we choose to impose. So all of these philosophers are using similar terms to describe the same feeling. I'm using a term that none of them are using, which is existential panic, because that's just what naturally the word was for me to to describe this feeling. It's not an existential crisis, which is more long-term. It's just a feeling that lasts a few seconds, at least for me. Suddenly it'll wash over me and I'll, I'll come to all of these questions and then just as soon as it comes, they'll leave. And usually I am only left with one question afterwards. And that question is, how am I me? So I have experienced this feeling of existential panic since I was, I would want to say seven years old, which seems very early. And, you know, I told my parents that I had felt this that young and, and I was talking to them about it. And they said that they had never experienced a feeling like this before. And it actually shocked me because, you know, I had been feeling this since I was seven. And it comes on, I would say, about twice a year. It's just this sudden panic that washes over me. And I I don't know anything. For me, when I experience this, for it to happen, you know, I'm often doing a daily task. Something that I do every day that I do on autopilot. And then while I'm doing that, autopilot just gets shut off for some reason. And then all of a sudden, I am extra aware of myself and what I'm doing. And I, I'm just like, what am I doing? How am I, how am I even here? How am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I always think about it like this. So I see the world in first person, right? I see the world through my eyes. And other people see the world through their eyes in their first person. I see those people, you know, from my own point of view, but they're in third person to me. I'm not them. They're not me, right? And so I start thinking, well, how come it's me who's getting to see me through these eyes? Or maybe that's not the best way to put it, but how come I am seeing things through these eyes? And how come I have this body? How come I have this mind and this soul? And how come I don't have somebody else's? Right? How did I become this person that I am? How did I get this body? How come I am me and not somebody else? That is always for me what this feeling of existential panic comes down to. I've heard from other people, a lot of times they ask the question of, how do I have limbs? They're suddenly so aware of their body and that they have arms and legs and hands and they do things with these limbs and they they don't understand why and they don't know what they're doing here on earth. That's about the best way I can describe this feeling of existential panic. And maybe you're sitting here saying, yes, I have felt exactly that before. And maybe you're not. Maybe you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Literally, what are you talking about? 
And that's okay too. If you've never felt this, don't worry. And if you've felt this a lot like I have since the age of seven, it's okay. Don't worry. (laughs) I go to university and I took a general philosophy course last semester. And my professor actually started talking about this feeling. And that's when I got so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I have felt this before too. And he told our class that he remembers first feeling it when he was in his 20s or mid-20s or something like that. And, you know, it shocked me because at the time, you know, I had thought children felt this regularly, just like I had. You know, I was in the second grade and suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, hold up. I'm a person. What am I doing here? How am I this person? Why me? How am I me? (laughs) Right? So, it's okay if you felt this. It's okay if you haven't felt this. You know, it might still come for you. You might still feel this even if you haven't yet today. All right, now I want to talk about a few ways that we can use this feeling of existential panic and even existentialism in general to to make our lives better because that's ultimately, I think, a lot of our goals. We want to improve our lives. Maybe that's why you're listening to this right now because you think it'll offer something and I really hope that it offers something to you. You know, that's the goal of this podcast. And so Albert Camus actually has some responses for what we should do about this life of absurdity. And so he earlier gave us these four reasons for life being absurd and now he's giving us some reasons for how we can respond to this absurdity. Now, if you love philosophy and you, you know, have studied Camus a little bit, you'll probably know one of his first responses is committing suicide. Um, He says that's not the best option. And no, it's definitely not the best option. Don't commit suicide, please. But Camus is a philosopher. He always felt that that was the first question that you ask in philosophy is, should I commit suicide? And he, he based a lot of things off of this question. And so he says, you know, one thing you can do about this absurdity of life is is to kill yourself. Just not deal with it, right? But please don't do that. There are so many better options for all of us. And so his second response is to embrace the absurdity. We can be conscious of the absurdity of life. And we can still enjoy our life and make our own meaning out of it. Camus says that we can live without appeal and basically just live without justification for the things that we do. Now, he says that um, we shouldn't, he says, do not live with appeal to the things that once gave you meaning, such as your job, your hobbies, your religion, things like that. That's kind of odd to me. Do not live with appeal to the things that once gave you meaning. I, I don't really agree with that don't really quite know what he means by that, but that is something that we can look into definitely later on. Basically, Camus offers this idea of radical freedom. Stop caring about things and just see what happens, right? Now, there are problems to this that I hope a lot of us can see, especially when we have laws and things that we need to do. If I just stop caring about paying my taxes, well, then I don't really need to 
to see what would happen and live through that to know that I'm going to go to federal prison for tax evasion. So while this idea of radical freedom is is interesting, and I definitely see what he means by it, you know, it obviously doesn't mean just live without abandon for anything or any morals. You know, morals are important, and you shouldn't just abandon them, I don't believe. And so existentialism more, it would say that your life is made out of the choices that you make. And so, yes, the world might be absurd and the world might be crazy, but you can make decisions for you that are going to make life better for you. You have complete will over yourself and you can make choices that are going to make your life better and you should do it. You should give meaning to your life in any way you see fit in the way that you believe will make you happy. Basically, if you are unhappy with something in your life, you have the power to to fix it, to change it and make your life better. Even if it's something that just seems very difficult to do, you can still make that decision to do it. Right? Just do it. That's essentially what he is saying. And there's actually a really interesting discussion about this sort of topic of making choices for your life that is in a podcast I listen to called Classical Stuff You Should Know. Some of you might know that podcast. And they have a really great episode called Existentialism is Humanism. And that's over, I think it's Sartre's essay called that. It's a really interesting discussion. So if you're interested more in existentialism, you should totally check that out. And I'm also going to leave the links to the resources that I used in this podcast in the show notes. And you can find the show notes on whatwestayalivefor.buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout is the hosting service that I use for this podcast. And so that's why their name is in the domain. So again, that's whatwestayalivefor.buzzsprout.com. All right, so I hope we know a little bit more about existentialism and this feeling of existential panic that I'm sure a lot of us do feel. And I think, I hopefully this will just serve as a reminder for you all that you can make choices about your life that will improve it. And you should strive to improve your life. And if you are having difficulty doing that or prescribing meaning to your life, just just keep trying and just keep searching until you find something that resonates with you. You know, maybe it's a hobby or, you know, a calling. Just anything. Maybe it's a person. Just know that you have the power over your life and that you can make your life better. And maybe the feeling of existential panic will one day wash over you too, if it hasn't already done so. And now, at least, if you haven't felt it before, you'll know what it is when you feel it. Because seven-year-old me definitely was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? How am I me? This is crazy. So I have some experience with this feeling. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And yes, that's, that's all I have for this episode. We just finished the first episode of this podcast ever. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really means a lot that you decided to 
let me into your life a little bit and listen to me blabber on about this topic, which I think is really interesting. If any of you guys have any recommendations, feel free to reach out to me. Again, through that website is probably going to be the best way, whatwestayalivefor.buzzsprout.com. And now real quickly before this podcast ends, I just thought I would mention a little bit about myself in case any of you are interested. So my name is Katie, as I said at the beginning, and I go to university. I'm a business major, actually. Entrepreneurship is my concentration, and I absolutely love that. It's been especially exciting this year, really getting into the business core and learning so much about that. I absolutely love it. And as you could probably tell, I absolutely love philosophy as well. And reading is wonderful. I love to write also. I actually have a novel in the works. I've written a few short stories and I just love it. Let's see another fun fact about myself. Oh, my MBTI personality is an INFJ. Anyways, I think that's all I'll say for today. Thank you guys again so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you'll join me in the next episode. You guys have a great rest of your day.